Let's pray as we come to the word this morning. Heavenly Father, once again, it is a wonderful privilege and joy for us as we gather together that we can worship you and we can come to your word. And Father, we pray that in this time you would peel back the layers of our heart, Lord, the hardness that we have. Renew us again, we pray. Amen. When I was little, as a little boy, I loved adventure. Anyone else like that? When my family, we went, we went, we'd go away to, to uh, Mount Tambourine every Easter and uh, the, there was no kids program so I would go out and explore and I would make myself little forts in the trees and all sorts of stuff. I loved adventure. <clears throat> as one day, uh, we were visiting my, my grandparents uh, I was maybe six or seven or eight, <clears throat> and I went for a walk with my grandmother. As we walked out towards the footpath, I had one thing in mind. We were going to walk around the block, and this was an adventure I had been waiting for. If for me at that time, it symbolized this, this ability to go out into the world. I felt like I was a big boy. I was hankering for this opportunity. I, I was thriving at this challenge that lay before me. It was exciting. It was new. As we came out onto the footpath, we went down the main road, up and over the hill, and I was starting to pull out ahead of my grandmother, and I, I think she had my little brothers with her as well. <clears throat> I could see the first corner ahead and I was excited I didn't want to run too far unless my grandmother would pull me back and then just as I was just short of the corner I heard her call out that she was turning around and, and going back home but there was something in me as this young boy that said the adventure awaits don't stop now and so I was too focused on this goal, this challenge that lay ahead. I knew I could do it. So I kept going. My grandmother had thought that I was behind her coming back as she was heading home. Little did she know that I'd ignored her warning and her words and I kept on going. I turned the corner, excited. Here I was, big and capable I saw the corner shop as expected and I knew where I was. I knew what had to be done. I rounded the second corner and things started to, to look a little bit different, a little bit new, a little bit unfamiliar, but how hard could this be? I'm just walking around the block. I get about halfway down this third side and there's a cul-de-sac at the end of the cul-de-sac, I know that there's a walkway that will take me through to my grandparents' driveway. But that's kind of taken a shortcut. That's cheating a bit. It wouldn't give me the full sense of adventure and satisfaction as walking around the block. But at the same time, I thought, I don't need to just follow the footpath down the cul-de-sac and back up. You know, I just cross the road. And so I crossed the road over the cul-de-sac and I kept going. I got to the third corner. But things looked ever so different and unfamiliar. And I wasn't sure, did I make a mistake? 
Have I gone the wrong way? Did I cross the road when I shouldn't have? Or you know, am I supposed to cross the road back again? I'm not sure. And in that, that place of uncertainty, without realising it, my, my drive, my passion for this adventure had distracted me, confused me. Without realising it, at that point, I was desperately lost. Six, seven-year-old boy. All I knew was to press on. So I crossed another road. And now I was really in trouble. Because there was no way that, that just keeping on walking would eventually bring me back. And, and as I went further and further, things looked more and more unfamiliar. The sun was setting very rapidly. And at each turn I made, each road that I crossed... I felt more and more desperately alone, helpless, hopeless. My, my distractions, because I was so focused on what I wanted to achieve, had led me to a place of absolute abandon, helplessness. Then I saw these headlights pull into a driveway in front of me and the door at the driver's side opened up, but because of the headlights, I couldn't see what it was. A seven-year-old standing there on the side of the road as the lights are dimming, blinded by the light of these headlights, and this figure work, walking towards me. I didn't know what to think. All I knew that I was desperate, helpless. As he, as he got closer... It was my grandfather. They'd been out looking for me. He'd been doing laps of the blocks one after another until he found me. This morning, we're talking about heart matters. The love the family has for one another. That pursues one another. Searches for one another, cares for one another, bears one another's burdens. Even when we get lost, when we get distracted, that is the love that we are called to. That is the heart matters. And sometimes in life we get caught up in our passions. We get distracted by our goals and our desires. We even get distracted by world events politics debates even theological debates we go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole and before we know it everything around us seems unfamiliar we've lost that sense of home and peace and familiness we've lost sight of God's way of God's love and God's family and the sad thing is that all of this can happen inside the walls of a church we don't even need to leave church for all of this to happen. This morning, we're continuing our Heart Matters series. This is the penultimate message, the second to last message. And we're going to dig into Paul's encouragement to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles with you, please open with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to see how they had become distracted by a theological issue 
They lost sight of what mattered most. We're going to see how Paul encourages them to get back on track to loving one another by serving one another. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read from uh, verse 1 to 15. Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? Some would say that we've got to go to church. Others would say it doesn't really matter if you go to church or not. Some they say baptism. Baptism is, is essential for being a Christian. For others it's confirmation and still others it's the sign of talking in tongues. Some people would argue that following Jesus means saying the sinner's prayer, being a good person or, or preaching the gospel. Oh, I've heard some argue that to truly be a Christian means observing the Jewish festivals because Christ came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Here in the church in Galatia, the debate was around whether or not they should continue the practice of circumcision or not. Historically, through the covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, through, through the time with Moses as Israel was established as a nation, circumcision was a sign of the covenant to belonging to God's family. 
but it had become overtaken by religious ritual. It was no longer about an intimate relationship with God, to be, that, that God would, would be their God and that they would be his people, a royal priesthood to demonstrate to the world God's love. They'd lost sight of that. The gospel is clear. We can't do anything to appease the righteousness of God because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. On the issue of circumcision, it was never meant to be an act of obligation, but an act of submission and surrender. In the same way, when we, when we enter into the covenant of marriage, we take vows. The vows are not uh, 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 something done out of obligation or duty. The vows represent, they symbolize the intimacy and the love of the bond that is shared. You know, we read in the New Testament when it, when it comes to understanding circumcision in, in Romans and in other places, Paul talks about that, that it's circumcision of the heart that counts. And it may surprise you to know that that is not a New Testament thought. It's not a New Testament idea. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, this is what Jeremiah says to the people of Israel. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskins of your heart. A man of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your, the evil of your deeds. Circumcise the foreskins of your heart. What mattered to God more than a physical act, a religious act, was the condition and the location, the, the attitude, the posture of our heart. He didn't care whether or not we could go through the act of circumcision physically. What he cared about, the question he had for the people of Israel is, do I have your heart? In Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, before Long before Jeremiah, this happened. This was, was Moses retelling the law to the generation who would rise up and, and faithfully enter into the promised land. He wanted to be very clear about the covenant that God had made with, with their people. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, Moses tells this generation, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. I wear a, a ring. The ring is not my marriage. It is an outward expression of the inward covenant. And for the Old Testament practice of covenant circumcision, was an outward, believe it or not, an outward symbol that they belonged to an inward, deeper covenant. It brings us to the question of what must we do to be saved? What, what does it involve? What, does it, what matters when it comes to our salvation? It's a great question and a question that was asked of Jesus. 
in Luke chapter 18. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But when he heard this, these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for, the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. One, the one thing the ruler lacked is that although he obeyed all of the rules and regulations, God did not have his heart. There were things in his life that, that he valued, that he prioritized over God. We like a simple checklist. It's a part of our Western culture, our Western mindset. We are, are logical in our thinking. First this, then that. Give me, give me a checklist of things that I need to do and then I know I'm good. But salvation with God, relationship with God is not as simple as a checklist. A marriage, you can't just simply have a checklist and say to your wife, I've done all of my duties. Aren't I a good husband? You know, I've fixed all of the problems. I guarantee you, if you lived your entire married life trying to fix your wife's problems, the one thing that you are lacking, the one thing that she desires the most, and, and ladies, tell me if I'm wrong, please is you never listen to me. You always jump to trying to fix my problems, but I, I just want you to hear me. I want you to see me. I want you to see my pain and my struggle. And I, I think there is, there is a beauty in that because that request is really saying, I want you to know me. And the same is true with God. We cannot know God by following a checklist the only way we know God is through complete surrender by giving him our heart wholly and completely we've got to stop trying to earn our salvation Salvation is, is not something that we can achieve. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can even repay. Our life following Jesus is not about repaying a debt. We can never repay God. We are saved to be free. The freedom that we are granted is so that we can indulge in this intimate relationship with God. 
that we can be known by God, that we can be seen by God, and that we indeed can see God and know God's love with every fibre of our being so that it permeates every breath, every word, every action, not out of duty or obligation, but out of intimate relationship. So often we get distracted about what it means to follow Jesus. We add things to our list. But God, I'll do these things for you. Good things. Fantastic things. Just like Mary and Martha. Martha wasn't doing the wrong things. She was doing good things. Things that that Jesus would have instructed them to do. Just like the good Samaritan to serve and to love. But Mary chose what is best. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Mary indulged in getting to know God's love. So often we get distracted by our list. There are many times in the church that we become distracted, be it around end times or trying to predict the return of Jesus. An unhealthy focus on the mark of the beast instead of focusing on the mark of the Christ. There have been divisions on matters that are not directly related to God's word or the gospel or or the things that Jesus has taught us or shown us how to live. Whether someone is vaccinated or unvaccinated, that is not a gospel issue. Whether someone votes Labour or Liberal or minor party or independent, that is not a gospel issue. I've seen deep divisions And this grieves me greatly. Deep divisions in the body of Christ over which origin team they support. The the way brothers and sisters in Christ talk to one another over a game of football. How that grieves the spirit. It's not a gospel issue. But when they affect the way that we love one another, it becomes an issue for the gospel. It becomes an issue for the gospel. It's one way that we can measure how much we have become distracted and been caught up. How does this affect the way that we love one another? Jesus said, a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all the world will know that you are my disciples. How do we share the gospel? We share the gospel by showing God's love. The world looks upon us and sees how we love one another. To see if what we are talking about, what we say really matters for Paul at this point in his message to the Galatians he says that that this distraction around circumcision or under circumcision that the debate that they're having it's not the point it's not where they should be focused on circumcision won't get you into heaven he's saying but going the other way to the other extremes not going to help you either You're, you're arguing and debating about the wrong things instead you need to focus on this one thing Keep it simple. It's faith worked out through love. James says faith without deeds is dead. 
If it's merely lip service that we're paying, it means nothing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if I have all of these wonderful gifts and talents but have not love, I'm a resounding gong. Paul continues in verse 7 to the Galatians, You were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. You're distracted. You're distracted by things that are not that important. Get back on track. Love one another. Who hindered you? Who distracted you? Who stopped you being focused on the truth? We might ask the question, what? Because sometimes it's not a matter of who. Sometimes it's a matter of just life becoming overwhelmingly complicated and difficult. We get confused and lost and turned around just like Nick at seven years old trying to do a simple task of walking around the block. It happens. It happens. The best thing that we can do Sit down in the gutter and wait for a brother or sister to come alongside and love us, to cry out to God and say, God, I'm lost, I've lost my way, I don't know where to find you, I I can't find the peace that I should have in you, the safety, the serenity, ah, the serenity that comes from trusting in Jesus. In verses 13 to 15, Paul reminds the church in Galatia what really matters, where the heart matters of the gospel are. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you, should love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Circumcision and any outward mark on our bodies required by the law, Christ has fulfilled. He fulfilled all the requirements of the law, not to abolish it, but to present us before God in the light of the law and his righteousness. Christ fulfilled the requirements that we could not. He paid the penalty, the price of our sins so that we don't have to. So as Paul says, we are called to freedom, but not to use that freedom to bring benefit to ourselves or to bring condemnation upon others, but to serve one another, to love one another. How do we maintain unity at times when we disagree on matters, when we find things that are are more important to us than they are to others and, and things that are more important to others than they are to us? Paul says, don't stop loving one another. And when you don't know how, serve one another. You see, at times of, of disagreement and disunity, our, our natural state says, I want to withdraw from that person. I don't want to talk with that person. I don't want to spend time with that person because we disagree. And Paul says, no. Set your differences aside. Love one another. Serve one another. Let us not continue unless we love one another as Christ has loved us. 
this is the call for us as a church in times like this that we love one another let's pray lord you know how challenging and difficult life can be lord how how, how at times we feel like a small boy has become lost isolated and lonely trying to walk around the block Lord, in times like this, we need you. We need you to humble us, Lord, to, to help us to love one another. Lord, to help us to seek out and to find one another when we're hurting, when we're lost, when we're alone. Lord, may you bring unity to this body of this family. Lord, may we... Love one another as you have loved us, unconditionally, graciously, patiently. May we serve one another wholeheartedly. Lord, may we bear witness to the greatness of your love, the magnificence of your righteousness, and the freedom that you have brought us to.